join the Jones family with their grown children as they sit around the table to share their passion for marriage, family, and boundaries while providing inspiration, practical tips, and insight into a simple life that glorifies God. Whether you're a Christian or not, there will be takeaways to heat up your marriage, train up your children, and navigate this culture with more wisdom and perspective. All right, so welcome to season two. We are going to talk about the Enneagram, which we're not experts on, but we have used this as a tool for our family to kind of get to know ourselves, namely, but also to get to know the ones that we love. So one thing we want to start off with is what number everyone is. So this is Madre, and I am an Enneagram 1, which is the perfectionist. Perfect. No. <laughs> right. Very well done, honey. Thank you. <laughs> I was hoping that my <laughs> I was hoping that my intro was perfect. It was right on. It was spot on. Okay. Who's next? Um, I'll go next. I am Padre and my Enneagram number is a 9, which on the Enneagram scale is the closest to 10. And what is a 9? Nine is a person who doesn't... It's well the peacemaker. Yeah, but you didn't tell what yours was? I did, didn't I? No. Perfectionist. Yeah, the perfectionist. Oh, perfectionist. Okay, yeah. I'm a peacemaker. I'm a sloth. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Hannah, and I'm a four, which is the individualist. Hmm. Um, this is Jacob, and I'm also a nine. All right, we've got one more in the room. It's Tanner, and I'm a three. I don't know what that means. Isn't that the entertainer? Yeah, the entertainer, the, the performer. Okay, the performer. There's lots of different names for them. So we have the perfectionist, the individualist, the performer, and the nappers. <laughs> <laughs> and the two that are not with us right now are Tristan, and he is an eight, which is a challenger. Mm -hmm. Warrior. Right. Warrior. And Hope is another nine. Yep. It's so a nine heavy family. Very yeah, nine. But very they are chill. the most they are the most common number, right? Well, no. I mean, there's no more common number than others. It's just what they tell you. Okay, because I thought the four was the well, least th common that's number. That's what they tell us to make us feel better. Oh. Because <laughs> we don't want true. anyone to be like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if the most common was the individualist, then it would be kind of... It wouldn't be very individualistic if everybody right. was like me as an individualist. Which is a four? Mm-hmm. So what happens if you have a room full of fours? I don't really talk to people in the other fours. There's only about a handful of them yeah, that I've most met. Most fours don't get along. Right. right. Well, I don't think that's a thing with everybody, but I just have found that to be true for me. There's one four that I've gotten along really well with, and that's Casey Rose. Mm. Other than Casey. <laughs> Shout out to Casey Rose. <laughs> I don't think I've met another four that I've actually hit it off with and not felt like like in a competition with. <laughs> I'm a wing four. Are oh. you really a wing four? So how did we discover our Enneagram number? I, I took an eclectic energies test on the internet. And I was and I actually tested as a one for twice. A two. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. I tested as a two for mm -hmm. a couple years. Mm -hmm. So I lived as a two, which is the helper, and that's the one that's the number I wanna be. <laughs> that's the number everybody wants to be yeah think. <laughs> and I lived in the two world and I was like oh I know I just have so many people to take care of and mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I hit 
a crossroads in my life where I got really upset over something and I went away with Hannah and some other ladies from Mercy Mall and I realized that the number that I went to in my stress was not the right number for a two. So I go to a an unhealthy side of a four in my stress, oh, right? And I go to a seven in my health. Which is? What's the seven? The seven is like the fun one. It's the, what what is the, the official name? I don't know what the official name for it is, but yeah. It's like if you have a party, like a party friend, they're probably a seven. Yeah. Mm. Or they go yeah. to a seven wing or whatever. So when I realized that I was a one, not based on any test that I took, Hannah's like, I knew it. I've known it well, all along. I, I started reading the um, the Road Back to You book whenever I was at camp in 2019. And I had, like, taken the test a couple times. And, like, I also thought I was a two at first. But, like, s- quickly found out that that was not me at all. Um, but then I, like, I knew I was a four at that point. But I was kind of reading through the book and, like, trying to think of, like, all my family members as I read it and and at this point not knowing what anybody was because no one else in my family had really like gotten into it and so I was reading the book and I'm like okay this definitely sounds like my mom and the thing that got me is the whole thing about you going to your um to a seven in your health or like in your security and so like I was like that's totally her because like on vacation she doesn't like shut down and like get quiet on vacation she gets like fun and like like she's ready to party and so I was like, that's totally her, but she's also a perfectionist in a lot of ways. So I was like, this is definitely her. But she's like, no, I'm a two. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me get up and wrong. clean the kitchen. <laughs> I remember when she discovered that she was a one. It was a huge. Oh yeah, it was like huge, a whole family announcement. Yeah, lots like family intervention. Lots of tears were okay. shed by everyone. Like yeah. you guys were even surprised. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, babe? How did I find out I was a nine? Yeah, because we told you. No, I mean, well, so I'm a cash. little different, right? So I, I, uh, I cashed in. Test? Well, I cashed in all of my company stock, and I went and spent six months on the road, doing uh, Enneagram conferences. No, that is not. It's <laughs> not it. So I took a free test that Stacy sent me a link on, and that was really, uh, I think. Or did I even take the test? I don't know. Knowing me, I probably didn't take the test. Knowing you, we probably told you you were that, and yeah, you, were you told me what okay. I am. And since you are perfect, he's definitely a nine. What about you, Jake? Um, I only took the test because I was trying to impress Hannah, because <laughs> we were like dating at the time. But you don't and like conflict, and I don't like conflict, <laughs> right? And the funny thing is, she asked me what my enneagram number was, and I like had no idea what that even meant. So I had to like google it and then like i immediately started like panicking and trying to take a test while working and like i was like oh my gosh it's a long test <laughs> and so like i finally came up with the like my first number coming back was also a two but hannah told me that i wasn't a two <laughs> and i retook the test and i was a nine so well like i think it's also hard because like you're not supposed to tell somebody what they are as a number. Like that's something that someone has to figure out on their own. But also when you're really close to people, it's really hard not to know them so much better than they know themselves in a way. And like from an outside perspective, cause like, you know where they go when they're stressed, you know, when they go and they're secure and you know, like what their tendencies are and what they struggle with. So like, even at that point of like dating, I was like, this definitely seems like you. But then it was funny because we read, um, 
the Becoming Us book by Jeff and Beth McCord, which is like a marriage book on the Enneagram. And it was funny because every chapter we read was like, Jake would be like, oh, that I kind of relate to that. That kind of seems like me. And then we got to the chapter about the nines and it was like, if you're a nine, you probably thought that every single <laughs> chapter in this book <laughs> sounds like you. <laughs> and I was like, see, I told you, you're a nine. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the beauty with the nine is that they can see from all different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a nice thing. That. What about you, Tanner? <laughs> what was the question? How did you discover your Enneagram number? Uh, my mom sent me the test and I took it. <laughs> so profound. Yes. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. So I know one thing that we have talked about before is once we discovered everybody's Enneagram numbers, we um, I made the observation about how people enter our home. It was actually me that made the observation. Oh, well, we're on, we're one yeah, flesh. I know. So I can take credit for your stuff yeah, and you can take yeah. credit for mine. <laughs> so as a one... I enter the room and I have to make sure that everybody is acknowledged. I'm kind of like taking stock of the situation and making sure that I enter the room in an appropriate manner and I don't own the room. However, I might need to take charge of the room if nobody else has like, so I'm like evaluating all of these things as I enter the room. Mm -hmm. The nines enter the room very quietly, observant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You guys are kind of like, I'm okay if nobody notices me, yeah. you know, just chill. Well, we come in with a more of a mindset of I'm not making a big deal about me getting here. Right. You know, we don't need to, trumpets don't need to play, palm leaves don't need to be laid on the ground. No, we you're not just, Jesus. We already know they're excited to see us. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they realize there's some solitude <laughs> that's coming into the room when we walk in. So Hannah, you want me to go over yours? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So when Hannah enters the room, she's wanting to know who's going to notice her. So like who in this room is going to be authentic? Who in this room is going to notice me for who I am and appreciate me for who I am? And so it comes across a lot like the nines where I walk in quietly. Quiet. But my outcome is very different emotionally. Mm. <laughs> where I'm if like, If you don't notice her, you mm-hmm. will find out what that you did not notice her and you'll <laughs> right. be in trouble for it. Jake's had some very in-depth training about what to do when I walk in a room. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I also remember when you guys went to the homeschool academy and you come home and you're like, nobody talked to me. I'm like, how many people did you talk to? Nobody. I'm like, well, then why would you expect anybody to come and talk to you? <laughs> you're like, well, I was just sat over there. And nobody said a word to me. So, And then we've got Tanner. And Tanner is infamous for entering the room playing music. Right. And dancing. And dancing. So he's a party walking into the room. He does own the room when he comes in many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd come home from home come home from work and the door would open and he'd have his cell phone playing music and just kinda strolling in like he's in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, he wants it everyone to join in. Yeah. And then Tristan, <laughs> who's the uh Challenger Challenger Warrior. He He's always got <laughs> He's always got a story. Yeah, he walks in with more of a, you're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it does play a role in how the people enter the room. That's yes. how we've kind of uh, you seen You find out things. who all the idiots are when Tristan walks in the room. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Another story about an idiot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's like an Tristan, Oprah Winfrey we love show. You, buddy. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. 
Everyone's an idiot today. The thing I love about Tristan is that he always says what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I would never say it because, you know, I'm always trying to say the right thing. Tristan is okay saying the wrong thing, but he's always right. <laughs> I mean, he's always right. like right in the things that he says that are, yeah, that are challenging about others. So how, how do you guys think that the um, Enneagram plays into our family dynamics? Well, for one, mm -hmm. I think like, like I was just making me think when you were saying like Tristan says the things that you are thinking. It's like we all have like different ways that we relate to each other and like and because of different aspects of the different numbers we have, we can relate more to each person in the family. And like you realize what those things are when they're actually words put to them. And so like like when she was saying that about Tristan and like I also relate to those things where like I have very deep, strong feelings about things. And so like the things that Tristan says that my mom thinks I also feel. And so like I relate to them in that way. But then also the nines where I'm like I'm completely happy just to be home. Like, if I'm doing well, like, I just, like, nothing needs to be that, like, crazy. I just want, like, peace and, like, security and stuff like that. And then with Tanner being the three, like, he's also wing four. And so there's the creativity and there's the, like, the thoughtfulness of, like, how you go about your, your life. And so, like, there's different ways that, like, you can relate to the people around you when you have words to put to them. The one thing I can say about Tanner is that once I learned that he was a three, it started making me really like scrutinize my parenting because with a parent, you have to actually like call your child out. And I didn't realize like how much that hurt his soul to be called out because he wants to be successful. He wants to be acknowledged as being good and to, you know, into, into do right. And so as a child, you're going to mess up. So did we start giving him participation awards at that point? No, no, okay, good. no. But I mean, you really do think back and go, man, this probably cut him to the to the heart. You know, thinking about being corrected all the time. Yeah, and along those same lines too. Like when it comes to like parenting, because like, like I I know a lot of people say like you don't know people don't know their numbers till they're like they know who they are, which sometimes is like in their teens, sometimes mm -hmm. it's like twenties, thirties. I mean, you never know depending on how mature somebody is. But like as a parent, I think you can probably kind of start to see like what like the qualities in your child but not say them because like you don't want to like talk your kid into being like oh you're a four i'm gonna treat you like a four and that's what you're gonna be like right that obviously doesn't like end, no. end, end well for anyone but like it can help you to like totally understand them or to try to understand them yeah. until they figure it out for themselves well i i always say that hannah was the hardest child to parent and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in a way that, you know, because of her Enneagram number, she's a very deep well. And so it took it took more energy from me to kind of like understand who she was, how she thought and how to get through to her. And so I know a lot of times I would say things like, Hannah, just get outside yourself, get out of your head. And then I would say, like, can you not just conform? Like, can you not just do what everybody else is doing like, when it's no, right? No, I to absolutely cannot. <clears throat> If it was picture day, Hannah was not going to wear what I laid out. Everyone's wearing orange overalls. You are going to wear orange overalls. That's what's in the picture. No, she would not want to wear what anyone else was wearing. She didn't want to match anyone. And so, like, like I, I remember getting teary-eyed listening to someone talk about the Enneagram 4, thinking about the fact that, like, that really really described who my daughter was and I had like a whole new appreciation for her because I knew that about her I just didn't have words to to put to it so I think it does help to understand these numbers and to 
just see who your child's becoming. I mean, I also was thinking about the fact that, you know, when we first started down the Enneagram conversations a few years ago, you know, one of the things that always comes to my mind is that, as you were saying, Hannah, like you, you don't want to call what you think your kid is or should be. And, you know, it's, it's important to what you were saying earlier, babe, like we're not experts in this, Mm-mm. but I think at the same time, reminding everyone who listens that the Enneagram is not to be used as a platform or a crutch. Or, or they, the, your Enneagram coach, Beth and Jeff McCord, say it's not to be used as a sword or a shield. Right. In other words, I, don't, I can't use my Enneagram number as an excuse to treat someone poorly or to do something wrong. And I shouldn't use it as a, as a sword to cut someone you know, with my words or my actions because of their being their number. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, because if you're an eight. Like, you're such a nine. You know, yeah. like. There's times I would love to say that. <laughs> like, why do you have to be such a nine? <laughs> and you probably think the same thing about me, like, because mm. in our in conflict. No, I never think that. Yes, you do. No, because I don't like conflict. Right. <laughs> so I don't think those things. I just avoid them. Yeah. But I think it's also the, the whole concept of the, your Enneagram number in your wings, right? Like you have a wing, like I'm an, a nine with a wing eight. And Tanner's a three with a wing four. And that wing piece drives a healthy behavior or like how does it, I know how it plays into in the fact like for me, if I'm um, forced to switch, I go to an eight. So it's a very weird transition to go from being non-confrontational to warrior mindset um but i I think in in that you'd still learn a lot though and how you react to things but but explain kind of how the wing piece works well the wings are kind of like if you think about like a bird flying your the goal is to have two wings so that you can fly and so like as a nine for example like the wings that would be on the side of you would be eight and one and so using the qualities of an eight and the qualities of a one help to balance you out as a nine. And so like a lot of people fall on one side or the other and like that's like totally normal. And you can use those like those qualities like like for example for my dad as an as a nine and when he'd be very passive or like non confrontational, like to be able to lean on the completely confrontational side of like I've got to like fight for justice in this situation or whatever, like that helps to balance him out. And so that's kind of how they work. I mean, read your own books because I'm not an expert either, but that's the little overview of it. Yeah. So I know that when I start to talk about the Enneagram number, um, some people are like, oh, yeah, that's just a personality test. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, Myers-Briggs is a personality profile, and there's a lot of other personality profiles. But the Enneagram is core motivation. So you could have the same behavior that is a result of all nine different numbers. And so it's the thought process that leads to the behavior that makes it different. I'm so glad you br- you went there because that just triggered a thought. Like Hannah and I always discuss like people and their motives. It's always the heart behind the issue. And so like mm-hmm. what, you sa- what you're saying is 
your Enneagram number is a representation of where your heart and your like core motives come from. It's the why behind your behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Has there been anything though that the Enneagram has taught you about yourself? Like uh, any like aha moments for you guys? Mm, that's good. I think for me, like this is one thing I was thinking about like when we first started talking about this, even doing this podcast is that like, I feel like no matter what tests I took as a kid or a teenager, young adult in school, whatever, like I never fell into any of the categories. Like, so whether it's like learning styles and it's like, Oh, do you learn visually or do you learn like tact auditory or any of these things? And I'm like, uh, I'm like 30% of three of them. I was, and so like, no matter what, I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And part of being a four is like, you don't feel like anyone understands you. You feel like, like everybody is living in this world that I'm not a part of for some reason. Like I'm missing something. And so like for me, like when I realized that I was a four and like what that entailed, like it opened up a whole new world of like, this is not a specific person that's Enneagram, but like this, whoever, all these people who study this, like some, somebody understands. And like these other people who also are fours, like they understand. And so like, it was for me like realizing that I was not alone and that like some of the qualities that I thought were like downfalls are actually like good things and strengths that like I can play on. And so like to me, it was helpful and it continues to be helpful in learning how, how I can grow and how I can push myself because some of the things like it's okay. Like it's okay if I feel this way or this is like what I resort to thinking, but like at the same time, that's also where I can grow. That's good. And I think that I think that we have all grown through our relationship with Christ and we did not need the Enneagram to do that. So like I'm reading the unhealthy one and thinking that used to be me Hmm. and even the average like that used to be me and that is where I can default to. But the healthy one is where, you know, through my relationship with Christ and reading God's word and really being changed from the inside out that I ever became a healthy one because I always would say I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I said that for years. And then when I realized I was a one, I'm like, and does that mean I haven't recovered from perfectionism? (laughs) But I think what it is, is that I had to use it in the right way. I had to take my strengths of being a one and seeing what's right and what's wrong and not pointing them out in others, but to look at myself first and, and go, I need to change this about myself. I can't change anyone else. Hmm. I think for me, being a nine, the aha moment was learning about the nine and realizing how many, how passive I really was and how many times I was trying to meet the needs of others in terms of over, like, not having any boundaries and saying yes to everything and trying to make it trying to make peace everywhere and that was totally exhausting and i'm so glad like through through the enneagram and through hannah like teaching me and like giving me confidence on on when to say no and 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 establish boundaries and you know i think it's interesting too when you have three of us in the in the household that that are nines in our family we need that. Well, uh, yeah, obviously you need it. 
but I mean, <laughs> I mean, we are closest to Jesus. So. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think it's the, it's recognizing that like if somebody's listening to this and they took the Enneagram and they go, oh man, I'm a nine, but I don't seem to be anything like Jake or I don't seem to be anything like Jeff or I don't seem to be anything like Hope. Like, I think there's underlying similarities, but then there's great deal of differences that happen outside of that because like for like like you're saying jake like thinking about where you are right now and what you were learning about yourself from the nine side may be different like i, I was just telling um madre mommy stacy um whatever whatever her hottie um what i was telling her recently was for me as a nine when you don't quote unquote like conflict so when you know you've got to get into what could be perceived as conflict that you you almost put yourself into a the like for me i put myself into the eight and what i was finding myself doing is that if i needed to confront just hypothetically if I had to confront Jake on something, in some respects that would make me feel uncomfortable. Maybe not dealing with Jake, but it would make me feel uncomfortable. And because of that uncomfortableness, I would get angry. And my anger would be towards him to meet with him because I'm looking at him going, it's your fault that I have to talk <laughs> about this. And that's how I would come into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And learning that about myself helps me and has helped me really go into a situation more with the mindset of going that there's an outcome that I desire to happen. It's going to seem like a confrontation, but I'm only doing this because it's the right thing. And the person that I'm talking to needs to be encouraged in the process as well. And they haven't done anything to hurt me. So therefore, I don't need to kill him. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> we don't hurt anybody in this podcast. No. Or in the making of this podcast. That's right. Well, you know, and I wanted to talk about how, since it's it's basically down to Padre and I and Jake and Hannah across the table from us. Tanner went to go to the gym. Um, how that's improved our marriage and how we've gotten to know more about each other and how to deal with conflict and how to take what we've learned from the Enneagram and have it strengthen our marriage. And I think that God has definitely allowed that process to take place because what I was realizing is that when I would hit a tough spot, I would get emotionally charged and ready to just lay it all out there. And so like if you're looking at, say, a six-foot table, I would literally just lay all the pieces of everything that's bothering me out for him to see. And he would look at all of it and go, ooh, that's a little much. I don't know how to process that. And then he would, he would turn that into, I'm a loser. I've done all this wrong. I can't. Sounds like somebody else I know. I can't mm. deal with this. So let me shut down. And give me, give me at least forty-eight to seventy-two hours and up or to weeks. or weeks <laughs> to process that because I got issues and I'm not making my wife happy. And so we're into year 
we're 30 years into marriage and add three more years of dating and engaged. And we're Mm. just now figuring this out. Yeah. So thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Jake. You guys helped us along this path. Thank you. Yep. Which obviously, I mean, (coughs) it's taken this long because it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Because of your nineness. Because you're you're a perfectionist. You would have had this figured out in year two. Well, and, and, and here's the truth. Uh-oh. We meet. Can in this the, be edited? This can be edited, okay, but it may not be because Hannah might like this. Okay. Is that we got to meet in the middle. Like I'm not completely all right in this when it comes to laying it all out for you, knowing that like you're not going to know what to do with that. Like mm-hmm. I've got to probably give it to you in little bite-sized pieces. And, and then you probably would know what to do with that. Like you'll probably be able to stop looking at it like that. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I'm going to not look at you. She's got to set it up on a T for you. Yeah. (laughs) 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 That was good, honey. Thank you. (laughs) I'm not even going to tell you. you I'm not even going to say what I was thinking. That was good. Good good word, though. Thanks, babe. All right, you guys. Well, I think one thing for me, I mean, just in general, is like seeing things through somebody else's perspective. Like in my mind, even as a child, I remember thinking, like, everyone thinks like me, and that's not the case. And so, like, when you read something about, like, how someone, like, thinks and feels and, like, what their motivations are, like, and that person is the person that you live with and that you love, it's very eye-opening to help understand them and what they go through. And you can, under- you can when you start to explain stuff to them about how you feel, you can try to relate it to how they would process that. And so, I mean, what my mom was saying was spot on with, like, the way that Jake takes things too is like, like it's all my fault. What did I do wrong? Like I messed everything up and I'm like, no, I just need you to listen. Like I just need you to listen and I need you to like love me and sometimes tell me that there's nothing wrong with me. Sometimes listening is the hard part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What about me? <coughs> and how that helped our no. marriage. What say you Jake? No, I mean, I mentioned earlier knowing that, how you like to walk into a room like for instance on sunday mornings when when you're getting ready for for church and i'm in the kitchen trying to make you breakfast and get everything ready in there and you spend time like doing makeup and getting all pretty even though you're always beautiful and you walk into the kitchen and i don't turn around from the stove while i'm doing something that's hurtful to you even though in my mind in my male brain i'm thinking like i'm doing such a good thing i'm making breakfast for my wife and she's gonna ten thousand points <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just like she couldn't she could care less if we're gonna have like eggs and bacon or cereal she just wants me to turn around and like be blown away at how beautiful she looks so i mean that's and that's that's the thing that's i still am trying to learn i'm not gonna have it perfect but um and then another thing would be it's like I'm so good at at understanding you and thinking about you and how you think about things until something that I really want to do <laughs> or like like I guess part of like what I mentioned earlier about growing as a nine is some, sometimes I still want to make everyone else happy and like I'll sacrifice myself which t- in turn is sacrificing Hannah because we're one now and so sometimes I mean, it's still a learning process, but. Like, so to give an example, 
a recent one. Okay. Sorry. Just so that, like, this is, like, a concrete example. And this is not to, like, bash you because, obviously, we, we resolved this a long time ago. And it very quickly, too. But, like, we were at CrossFit one day. And I got on a bike right next to Jake. And, like, I'm never, like, with him during workouts because, like, a lot of times Hope's there. Or, like, um, like a guys and girls get split up. And so, like, I, like, found a, a bike that was, like, right next to him. I'm like, yay, like, we get to do the workout together. And then someone was, like... Um, like, oh, I guess I'm going for round two. And Jake goes, oh, you can have my bike. And so Jake gets off and the other guy gets on. And Jake wasn't in the same round with me and he wasn't on the bike next to me. And so I was just like hurt by that because I'm like, okay, you just gave up your bike so that someone else could have it, but you gave up your spot next to me. And that hurts me. And so like. But as soon as I stepped off the bike, I knew I made a huge mistake. <laughs> <And so it's> <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, there was like, like understanding how we think, like I was just trying to be nice to the guy because he had been, I knew he had been go- out for a while cause he'd been hurt. And so like, I don't, I, that doesn't even make sense as to why I felt like that. But like, I just felt. Yeah. Just immediately. It, that like was immediately your instinct. I was to be thinking like, oh, of someone no else and gonna, not, right. not you. Well, let's let's reframe that. That is not a huge mistake. You you <laughs> love your wife. You just didn't think like she did in that moment. Right. You know, right. so there's definitely grace. Right. And so those are the things where like when to understand like the Enneagram of yourself and your <laughs> spouse and like what's important to you and what's important to them and like your tendencies. Like, although I was hurt in that moment, we got in the car and he immediately apologized and I was immediately for like for, like forgiving towards him because I'm like. I know that's what you gave up for. Like, I know that you would have given up the bike because not because you didn't want to be next to me, but because you cared about somebody else more than yourself. And I'm glad for that, but don't forget about me. (laughs) And and it is a tough balancing act because it's like, as Jake's telling me, telling the story, I'm thinking in my head, there's a part of you that you, you in general, like you and I as nines or people or whatever, there's a part of that with that we're going I don't want it to come down to this person really needs the bike or this person really needs this. And now it becomes confrontational, right? So you avoid confrontation. So I'll just give up. Um, so there, there is a part of that, but there is that also that side of when you get off the situation, like when you get out of the situation, understanding who you are, doesn't always position you to make the right decisions the first time it hopefully helps us recognize it once you get off the bike you realize hey man this is where i screwed up and i think that's where you know the improvement in the relationship side is just the the willingness to kind of understand a little bit more about the other person so when you know that you know the other person is a we use a nine and a nine and you know in that rare occasion when the nine fails in something (laughs) um (laughs) and you recognize that but then when they recover from that you can see that and go he made that decision because of this reason and that's who he is and there's because there's all like it's it's difficult when you're thinking about pleasing everyone right? trying to make everybody happy and you want to be able to put boundaries up except for your wife you want to make her happy except when she's pouring everything out 
and you can't make her happy and now you feel like a failure and that's where that that wicked weird mind is of ours so it all boils down to communication it boils down a lot everything (laughs) boils down to communication so yeah so i guess to like wrap up this segment um we wanted to give you guys like some resources because you're some of you probably know your Enneagram, but you don't know where to go from there, or maybe you don't know it and you want to learn. Um, cause I definitely think this is a good tool, especially if you don't feel like you know yourself. And I, and I thought I knew myself, but this has definitely helped me. And so, um, some of the books that, that are really, really good and some that are from a Christian perspective also, um, are the road back to you by Ian Cron and Susan Stabile. And they also wrote a second one called the path between us. And that one is, um, so the road back to you is where you like learn about your Enneagram, like you and that's it. Um, I mean, it's got all the numbers in it, but the path between us actually has Enneagram information about like you and your relationship with every single other number and how that like applies to your life. And so that one's also really good. And then I also have the honest, the honest Enneagram by Sarah Jane Case, which is a really pretty picture book and it's like a good reference guide like if you just want like a quick way to like like refer back to your number or to help somebody with theirs um and then of course like the jeff and beth mccord if you just look them up you'll find all kinds of resources from them some of the books one of the books that we read but they also have so much information on their website yeah i want to add that you know some people would get kind of looking at the Enneagram as if it's like mystical or it's antichrist or it's this or that. And I just want to encourage people to not look at it like it's taking the place of God's word or it's something that you're, that, you know, God would not be glorified through you studying this because it's pagan or whatever the case may be, because it is a tool. And that's why I encourage all those that are believers to actually read a book about the Enneagram through the, the lens of the Bible, like through Jeff and Beth McCord. And the people that are dead set against thinking that it's not healthy for you, they're, pro- they're probably the ones that are also not reading the Bible all the way through. So right. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but it's Bible and then extra resources on top of that. And these are one of those extra resources. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Jeff, a.k.a. Padre, and my Red Hot Marriage tip is directed at men tonight, and it is communicate. Always ask your wife where you need to grow as a husband, and then ultimately the goal is to listen. I'll be the first to admit that it hurts to hear things where we need to improve, and the why behind that is because we're insecure and we thrive in being respected. So when told where we can grow, we take it as a disrespectful comment. That's not what your wife means. She is loving you enough to tell you the truth. Most men accept that from coworkers or a boss, but can't take it from their wives. So guys, open up, open your ears, ask the question, and learn to grow. And on a side note, ladies, always, always give feedback with respect and love and encouragement. Ayo, 
thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you liked what you heard, leave a review. We'll see you next time on the Saturday Morning Crew.